Hello. Look, I really hope that you're enjoying this season of the podcast. Season 11, Interior Design Basics. It's been a meaty season, hasn't it, compared to most of uh, Undercover Architect seasons on the podcast. And we're not over yet. I've actually got some fantastic interviews coming your way to continue to provide help and recommendations and things to know about your home's interior design. Now, in this episode, Francis Cosway of White Pebble Interiors and I discuss lighting. And we want to talk with you about how to include it in your interior design process. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's get on with our episode. If you're designing your new home or renovation, have you actually started thinking about the lighting design? I find that many homeowners will leave their lighting design quite late in their project. Some actually leave it as late as construction. They wait for the walkthrough uh, with their electrician at frame stage to finalise their choices on lighting numbers, types and positions. Now, as you can imagine, waiting until your walk around, your walkthrough with your electrician, that can cause huge extra costs and disappointment, as often your building contract will not have a sufficient allowance for lighting fixtures and you'll be hit with a variation and a higher margin to go along with it. 
Lighting can and should be a design process that you work through similarly to the rest of your interiors. And considering how it will work functionally, as well as the feeling and mood that it's capable of creating, means that you'll ultimately optimize what is possible for your budget and your home. Now, there's a lot of terminology when it comes to lighting and specific things to look at when choosing lighting fixtures and light types that will provide the atmosphere that you're seeking. So whether it's to light a specific task or to create a focal point or a feature in a room with a particular type of pendant lighting or some type of, you know, gorgeous feature that you're looking at including, or even just to provide flexibility in the various ways that a room or a space needs to function. So much is available to us now with our lighting design. And lighting is an aspect of your interior design that can have a huge impact on the feel and function of your home. So including it in your design process is actually essential in order for you to maximize what's possible. So listen in as Francis and I talk about lighting and how to make the most of it in your interior design. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Francis, we're here to talk about lighting and uh, I think you and I are going to have to keep each other on track that we don't end up talking about this for four hours <laughs> because it's something we're both really passionate about. It's something a lot of homeowners don't think about until the point at which the electrician calls and says, hey, I need you to make your lighting selection come to site and have a walk around. Um, but it is one of those things we work so hard on creating kind of the the day experience of our homes and then we totally forget about what the night experience is going to be and we have this um, home that's either lit up like a showroom or uh, isn't really functional in the way that it feels and, you know, supports our life every day. So um, I'm really excited to be talking about it in this episode because I know as an interior designer, you'd have a wealth of experience and insight into lighting design. So when do you suggest homeowners actually think about the lighting design for their renovation or building project? Floor plan stage. (laughs) No later. So... If you're getting uh, your drawings done, you do your floor plan, your working drawings should always include an electrical plan, which is great. You're going to know where all your PowerPoints are and all that sort of stuff. But often, more often than not, you'll get the lighting plan as well and it's just all down lights. But you really need to be thinking in detail exactly how you're going to be lighting up each room and don't just get and accept what you've been given. You really need to look at that in a lot more detail and do not accept it as this is it. Yes. and Challenge it big time. Yeah, and it is one of those things that if you're working, if you've gone directly to a builder and you've worked with their team on the design of your home, you will get their standard package. You know, project home builders definitely will just give you their standard package. So it is something you need to put the furniture in your floor plans. You need to think about how you're going to live in each space, what you're going to be doing in each space, and then think about how the lighting relates to that. Can we talk about how people might go about that process? Because I've got, you know, a lot of people will go, well, I've got downlights. Like that's kind of my choice that what are what other options are there for me what do you suggest people do to kind of expand their thinking about their lighting design and how it might work in their home well when I talk about this at my workshops uh, I really think that you need to future proof your lighting just like you need to future proof your floor plan you need to future proof your lighting and make sure that you're anticipating all the different uses that that room could be used for even if you not think that that room's going to be used for you know, what it might be designed for now. For example, a bedroom. Yes, I don't really need amazing lighting in my bedroom in terms of really good lighting. I just need decorative lighting. Um, That room may end up being a study or it may end up being a bedroom with a desk in it to study. So my rule of thumb is always have three types of lighting in every space and that is task lighting. So really good lighting to be able to do homework, be able to do a hobby, kitchens, bathrooms, obviously need really good task lighting. 
The other lighting I think then is mood or ambient lighting where you can really dial it up or dial it down. And this comes back to having every switch on a dimmer regardless. Um, but then also um, maybe having a decorative element. So that could be a decorative pendant. It could be some decorative wall lights. It could be uh, a lamp, a table lamp, a floor lamp. But I really think you need to be able to have three in every single space. The best example I use is a dining table, or I think it's one of the best examples to use, and that is a dining table, often you'll have a pendant over the dining table or some sort of decorative light over the dining table, which is great because when you're eating, you don't need to have amplified light, um, you know, like you're going to a photo shoot. So it's nice to have an ambient light when you're eating your dinner. However, inevitably, at the dining table, you'll be doing bookwork, homework, craft, the dining table becomes this you know, feast for everything. And that's when you need really good task lighting. So this is where I think people miss a trick because they've got the pendant light and they don't have adequate lighting then for that table to be anything else. Um, So that's why I always say all three in every space. That's a great strategy. And I think that that's, it, it does, because what it, what it enables you to do is to think about how can the lighting selections really add to the feel of my home as well. You know, if you're, oh, it can be, it be, can be less expensive to buy a beautiful feature pendant light than it can be to buy a, an incredible piece of furniture and you'll get functionality and look from it and really put an aesthetic stamp on your home. So it is, you know, this, and uh, things around entry statements and those kinds of things, you know, you can really expand. I see a lot of homeowners create these quite large entry voids that they never personally walk through because they're always coming in via the garage whereas you could actually compress that space but have a fantastic light fitting that doesn't chew you know you don't have to chew up then a whole heap of floor area that you're spending money on but you're just having this one beautiful light fitting and that's what makes that space sort of a celebratory arrival point into your home so it is and and I think also particularly with a house that's um you know again a high-end home or a home that you plan to be in for such a long time, the lighting can actually make or break the look of that overall aesthetic and feeling and everything. And I suppose you need to see the difference. And if you go into project home and it's just littered with downlights, um, there's no, I don't feel there's any ambience. I don't feel there's any mood that's created. I mean, I use visuals to show people how this works, but it's very cold. And even if you put it on a dimmer, you just don't get any sort of um, nice feeling in that space where if you've got really good light, it can actually make uh, maybe a home that is not necessarily super expensive look super expensive because lighting can just do amazing things. And that's probably why I'm so passionate and getting my clients to think about it right at floor plan stage. And they're just like, wow, I hadn't even thought that I should be doing this. Definitely. That's the consistent feedback I get to it. In my courses, I teach it very early in the piece. It's literally like we talk about orientation and layout of rooms and then we talk about how's the lighting going to work in relation with those for nighttime lighting. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think that this would be a consideration yet. And I think that when you look to those high-end homes, often what has happened is it's just that there's been the budget to spend on the professionals and the features to have that attention to detail, that elemental attention and that elemental attention can be brought into a home on any budget you know you can shoot me if you just take the time and invest the effort in choosing these things for your home early on you'll give yourself the opportunity to incorporate them and be able to manage them in your budget it's just that most people don't consider it they just get delivered the package that the builder includes it ends up being a whack of downlights and it misses that chance to have that beautiful mood and character So, Francis, how do you think that space planning actually impacts that lighting design and that lighting strategy? 
So, for example, if you are going to, and I know I've mentioned it in other episodes, how critical it is to actually do the space planning of your furniture again at floor plan stage early on in the piece so you know where everything's going. It also then enables you to determine, okay, so where do I need my light switches? Uh, where do I need my PowerPoints? Or not your light switches, your PowerPoints, but then also where do I need my lighting? So, for example, um, you may have a children's room. You know that there might be a couple of spots where the beds could go or the bed could go. But then it, so where are you get the bedside's going to go, so make sure you allow for that. But then also, okay, so if my, my child's going to study in here, where would the desk go? Where would I need some good task lighting? Uh, do I need a wall wash here so I can make that corner a little bit, um, you know, more lit up? But if you know, for example, uh, where your sofas are going to go, where are the, where are the lamps going to go? Um, if you know that you're going to have your uh, TV, for example, on a, an entertainment unit, where can I have other ambient light around that space? Where do I need other lights? And they may be pendant. So, yes, that does need to be done uh, early on in the piece. So there's lots of, if you've worked out where all your furniture is going to go, you then know where your ambient and your other pieces of lights are going to, be, going to go. Yeah, fantastic tip. And that thing of even down to the point of looking at your door swings and the number of times I've seen people make the mistake of the light switch ends up behind the door and they just didn't it didn't even occur to them. So and the electricians just installed it as per the drawings. You know, again, it's not up to the electrician to design this for you on site. They're going to install what is on your drawings and they're going to install what's just standard as part of their package. And if you want to have a say, it has to be on your drawings. So mm, that's true. <laughs> Can we just talk about some of the terminology? Because I think um, when it comes to lighting, there there is a lot that that can really confuse and overwhelm homeowners. Uh, of course, there's color temperature. So, um, and this can be measured in different ways. But for a general consumer, it just looks like warm or cool. What do you generally select for your um, clients' homes? Uh, definitely always warm. I think that cool is that very bright blue light. Uh, great for commercial settings and that's really what it's been designed for. Having said that, it is a personal preference. Some people really prefer that. I, I call it a very harsh light, but I think warm is a little bit softer and for our residential spaces, we really don't need uh, that that cool, very, very bright light. So I, I would always go warm. The other thing on this is be consistent. Don't put warm in some areas of the home and cool in others. It'll stick out like a sore thumb. You need to be consistent. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? I see homeowners go, okay, well, they've recommended that I use cool in my bathrooms and my kitchens because it's supposed to give a more realistic light level. And then they've had warm in rooms immediately adjacent to them and like in a big open plan kitchen, living, dining area. And it just, yeah, I'm with you. Warm throughout is a much better choice. Yeah. And the beam angle, I see this being something that people don't consider because they'll put down lights in their rooms and then they'll end up with these great big dark patches on the walls or those types of things where the beams aren't crossing over properly or people say, oh, I want really high ceilings in my home and then they just put the standard number of down lights and then end up with this really dark area down the floor because the beam angle isn't working to light up that vertical height. What do you recommend people need to consider with that beam you know, angle? Is it something that they need to have on their radar or how do you sort of think about that? Um, I mean, obviously, if you've got a lighting designer involved, they're going to be all over this. But a GU10, which is your standard, well, that was the halogen globes in those days, they've sort of got a narrow beam of about 40 degrees, and it's not enough. So you can get more wide-angled downlights, for example, so the beam is much, much uh, broader. Uh, and as, if you think about a spotlight being about 25 degrees, you really know that if a spotlight's 25 and a standard down is 40, you know that you really need to have it bigger, an angle, a beam, sorry, that's bigger than that um, to really be able to 
to have enough light and not have those black spots that you're talking about. Look, in my scenario, I would say, well, my advice would be you don't use down lights on their own. It's in combination with other light sources so that you're avoiding those black spots altogether anyway. Yeah, that's a great strategy. And I think when you think about it in combination with the lamp in the corner or the pendant light or that kind of stuff, you can wash out some of that. I mean, down lights seem, they're just such a given way of lighting things, but it, they're actually not, you know, you can have wall lights that wash light up and over a ceiling surface and create a much more functional and beautiful um, method of lighting a space. And uh, so, yeah, there's lots of other options. What do homeowners need to understand in terms of globe or lamp types? Because obviously we had, you know, standard incandescent. We then moved to fluorescent. That was the big push when they started then saying 40% of your floor area had to be lit with fluorescent lights. That was sort of the first big push into energy efficiency lighting. And I'm showing my age by because I remember when that actually changed in the building code. And everybody everybody panicked. Everybody panicked. They were like, how are we going to do this? And then, you know, uh, and then we moved into having access you know halogens were all the rage and then obviously we started getting a lot more led lights and i actually remember i remember being at mervac and having arguments with the head of construction there about using led lights we wanted to use led lights and he could not stomach it he was just like no they're just far too new and we're like but they're in the headlights of bmws and you know all this that's that's all led lighting this is a new technology let's get on board and it just took it's taken a long time but now it's everywhere it's everywhere what do you recommend people need to understand with thinking about their light fittings because they have these like you know you're never going to need to change this light bulb light bulb in your lifetime <laughs> so well look I used to work at GE lighting in Hungary and wow. um, the difference between a good quality LED fitting so not all LEDs are the same so the fitting and how the, the starter works and all that sort of stuff is quite different. So I think one of the big uh, issues with LED taking off was the cost per unit. And, you know, if you're going to put it in a rental, oh, well, I'm not going to get any of those benefits. But, of course, we're adding to um, our energy efficient overall and saving the planet at the same time. So you need to look at the fact that a good quality fitting is going to last much, much longer than a poor quality LED fitting. So take that into consideration. You do get what you paid for in this situation. So I know working at GE Lighting, I was a bit biased, but they had very, very high quality products um, versus some of the other products that were out on the market that were, you know, still quite expensive, but not up in into the same um, sort of price as the GE products. So it definitely makes a difference. The other thing is, yes, the incandescent lights have actually made a bit of a comeback as a decorative light. You see them a lot in cafes and people are putting them over their, their bench tops and things, but they don't push out. Not only are they incredibly inefficient, but they push out um, very, very low light output. So they're not great if uh, you do actually want a really good light source, but LEDs have got a much longer life and they're maximising your efficiency. Yeah, definitely. I think you need to check. I've seen people make the mistake of not confirming whether the one they're choosing is dimmable or not. And then and then they've installed it and had a dimmer on it and it's not been able to work. So it's always worthwhile confirming if you're having dimmable lights that the fixtures that you're choosing are actually dimmable. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, I've seen that that error happen for people. It's great that you can now because the incandescent ones were obviously all the exposed filament versions and you were seeing them, but they were, they're quite energy hungry when they're incandescent and they're now, they're now making them an LED version, which is brilliant, but there's very low 
output. So if they're your main pendant light over a, over a kitchen island bench, you are going to be cursing the fact that you don't have enough light. So it's really a case of always balancing out what's the functional requirement of that light fitting versus what you actually have uh, option to choose from in terms of how you put those elements together. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention about lighting? I know we could go on about it for a very uh, long time. I, but... I could go on and on and on. I think my key key advice is multiple light sources don't just rely on um, down lights and and really create three types of light sources for every single space that's um, be mindful of the regulations I suppose this is more around when you're looking at your electrical and lighting plan because they're often together unless you do have a lighting designer and they're just doing the lighting is make sure that you've got power points in locations such as inside the vanity um, so that you can put your toothbrush in there. Have a PowerPoint inside, uh, yeah, in the vanity, but then also have one on the bench for your shaver and your um, a hairdryer and things like that. So it's about looking at all of those things in combination when you're looking at your lighting and electrical plan. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, the, the of course, the easiest way to do that is to really bring the decision-making forward, put the furniture into your floor plans, really think about that use of every room, what you're going to need to do. I mean, people, they forget to put PowerPoints on their island bench and then they want to use the, the mix master or a bar mix or something like that and they can't use it on the island bench. They've got all this great prep space, but they have to be huddled over where the PowerPoint is for the toaster. So it's, it's thinking about how you're going to need to use all of these spaces and, um, you know, don't just take what the builder's offering you make sure that this is done before you sign any contracts so that the allowance that you have in your contract actually reflects what you want to do and then you can work from there rather than having that horrible disappointment that there was never enough money in your budget for the lighting and electrical and then paying variation rates on all of it when you actually realize what you've been what you're being offered and I think the other thing, um, I was only at a client's house last week and they did the classic, well, it was the classic, the builder just did what he said on the tin and that was the, the pendant light over the dining table. So as a normal electrician or it's marked on the plans, they centre it in the room, but your table might not be centred in the room. So I always put it on the plans as well to be confirmed on site in terms of where your pendant lights are going to go. The electrician may put them too high or put them too low, or if you're having a cluster of pendants over your island bench, which is also becoming quite popular now, rather than spreading across, is well, how where are they going to go? Are they going to be centred? How far in off the bench are they going to go? Don't leave it up to the builder or the electrician to do what they think is best because your view may be completely different. So either get your designer to do it or you be on site and get that sorted out. Because it may not necessarily be just the middle is right. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I see people like choosing these light fittings that might be up to two or three thousand dollars each, and they're not really thinking about how they're going to be positioned. And there's an architect that I've interviewed for the podcast, um, Anthony Laney of Laney LA, and they have a fantastic Instagram account where they they do a lot of high end homes. But you see them, they make up, they'll have a lot of these cluster pendants sort of in big void spaces and those, you know, which is a really spectacular kind of effect in a home, and particularly with a light fitting that you are investing in that you want to be a really big feature they will at frame stage of the house they will do cardboard mock-ups on ropes and go out there and position these pendants exactly where they need to go to show the builder this is what we need this is what we want and this is how and you, I mean when you've got a cluster of say five or six pendants which is what they're doing in a lot of these big voids you can't actually put that on a drawing effectively to demonstrate to the electrician exactly where it needs to be and having standing there as a homeowner with the electrician on site at an hourly rate saying can you raise it 
it? Can you lower it? Can you move it two inches right? Can you move it three inches to the left? Isn't really conducive to happy working uh, relationships. But it's really fascinating just to watch how they've, they literally have mapped out this position and then gone, yep, that's what we want, you know? And it's just, it's, it's very straightforward. It's there, it's done, it's dusted. So like, and I feel like a lot of homeowners, they really don't know how to kind of ask for this in their projects. um, And yet they'll make these big investments in these items and then get really disappointed when it didn't end up exactly how they thought it would. So you've got to build in the capacity to have that kind of relationship with your builder, know that, let them know as part of working with you, that this is going to be something that you need to do at a particular point in time, make sure that you've got the tools and the resources to do it efficiently, as efficiently as possible, but that you just make sure you're getting it right before it's all locked and loaded and you can, can't do anything about, or it's very expensive to undo it. And fix oh, it, it is. It'll be replacing these, this particular client that because the pendant's in the wrong spot, they're going to have to redo their entire ceiling. Um, so it's disappointing. Look, I often go around with a laser at frame stage and I'll laser exactly where I know the table's going to go, for example, and then I know where the light's going and I'll just laser it up and then we get it marked. So there are a few, the, 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 um, the template one's a great idea too. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think that's given everyone a really good overview of Lighting Francis. Thank you so much again for your incredible experience and wisdom. And yeah, get it done early. Do not delay your lighting choices and your lighting layout. Get it done at plan stage. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Cheers, Francis. Key message. Thank you. See you. I hope you found it helpful to hear our suggestions for what to consider when it comes to your lighting design and some of those nitty gritty things that are a bit difficult to know when you're just sort of looking at fixtures and finishes and pulling together all those ideas. Now, be sure not to leave decisions about lighting design too late, okay? Start to factor it into your overall design process. Bring it forward and think about it and consider it like you are with choosing your tiles and your flooring and your carpets and your paint colours. You know, this way you can really make the most of it design-wise and be sure that you've got the budget to cover the ideas and the design that you're creating. Make sure you head to the show notes. You can access some extra resources available for this episode. I've got some additional information in there for lighting design advice, especially around efficiency and also around terminology too. And you'll also find the link to learn more about Interior Design 101, my self-study online program that will help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. Inside Interior Design 101, Francis and I have got some more information in there about lighting design. So you can check out the course because the full interview is available in there now and it's available in video, audio and full transcript as well. And that's the case with all of the content inside the course. Now, in the next episode... Frances is back and she's talking with me about the top mistakes that we see homeowners regularly make with their interior design. These are mistakes that can cost a fortune or cause huge amounts of disappointment or just be general headaches and missed opportunities. And so I hope that learning these mistakes will help you avoid any dramas in your project and enable you to get it right the first time. So make sure you tune in for that. Now, as always, huge gratitude to you. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.